Oh no, I, I feel so guilty. If I'm going to upload this podcast with audio of John bashing steamed cheeseburgers. Samba <laughs> officially endorses steamed cheeseburgers. Okay. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another CT Versus audio interview. We are back after a little bit of a break. As you may know, there was a seven-month gap between the last episode of the podcast that we did with Karen Ponzio, the great Karen Ponzio, um, where we looked at like the year of 2020 as a music review um, for Connecticut, uh, and this current episode. So in that time, in that seven-month gap, uh, we were on a little bit of an early retirement slash hiatus between January and July, but we're back. So our website looks totally different. If you haven't seen our new phase, which we are calling our green album because the website theme is obnoxiously green, then please go check it out. We've updated a lot of things, including our gig calendar. Uh, so in case you've ever been curious about what local bands are playing in the Nutmeg State, um, just the bands that I like, uh, <laughs> you can find that and you can plan your weekend accordingly. And on that same subject, today we are talking with Glambat. I'm super excited to share this episode with you. Glambat is one of my very favorite Connecticut bands, and I have wanted to interview M. Alderman and John Romano since the podcast started. In fact, uh, the very first CT versus blog post was about uh, the split EP release show um, that Glambat did with Snowpiler, Shy, and Evelyn Gray. Uh, that was back at uh, Max 650 in Middletown. Um, but that was to celebrate Glambat's first EP. Uh, which is called I Feel God in This Chili's Tonight. Uh, and that is also where you can find the song you heard at the top of this episode. That song is called Colgate, uh, as you may know. In this episode, I ask Glambat a lot of questions about glamorous bats, about mopeds, their upcoming show at the Space Ballroom, and who the real Andy is. All right, here's our episode with Glambat. Thank you so much, M and John, for being here. We are also joined with the elusive third member of Glam Back. Can you introduce us to that third member, please? Oh, this is uh, Murphy. I don't know if you could hear, but 
Yeah. Uh, so how's how's Murph doing these days? Oh, pretty well. Tooting, rooting, tooting. And how about each of you individually? Doing pretty good now that like most of the COVID restrictions are kind of you know on their way out, and live music is starting back. Oh, it's great. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Thank you all so much for being here. As, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that I like to start out with a very specific question, which is, let me look at my notes because it's been six months since I've recorded one of these. Uh, what is your favorite place in Connecticut and why? This does not have to be music related. Of course it can be if that is special to you, but what is your favorite place in the nutmeg state? It's hard to pick, but I would say lately I've been kind of having like a, a hankering or like a craving for Danbury. Oh. Um, yeah, cause I used to play a lot of shows at the Heirloom Arts Theater back when that was still a thing. Um, and I really miss, I would have like kind of like these days where I would have like a load in time, but I would show up like really early because I was so excited about the gig. So I'd end up like going for a hike at like Devil's Den and then like hitting up like rainy day books or something like that. And yeah. I kind of want to have another day like that. Um, I also had a lot of fun at Disc and Dad because one year I did record store day there with Danny probably. And that was such a cool experience. I kind of want to go back there again. Gotcha. What happened to Heirloom Arts? I feel like before the blog launched, it was already kind of closed or it may be one last show or something like that. What happened to that? Is it my knowledge? Um, I don't really remember. I know the last show that I played there was with my old band Sleep Cozies. Uh, we played with Avlov. It was supposed to be Avlov's last show, but it wasn't Avlov's last show. Yeah, there's like um, six or seven of those. <laughs> yeah, those were all really fun though, honestly. Uh, I don't really remember. I just know that a lot of stuff kind of petered out or maybe like felt like it was its time. Uh, but also I feel like one of the reasons I didn't really notice it necessarily closing at the time was because so much new, so many new venues started popping up right around that time. So like, right. you know, as Heirloom Arts was closing, you had like the, there were a lot of houses in Hartford that started having house shows. Uh, you had, another like kind of renaissance of crunch house if you can call it that there's been a lot of those yeah had, like the never get to be cool opened up state house all of those venues uh so i guess i'd never really noticed it but now that it's gone i kind of have been missing it <laughs> gotcha yeah. and i feel yeah i feel like dan Barry overall is a little bit underrated like but I think that's maybe true for every town that's not Hartford and New Haven, right? Like, I feel like those two cities kind of get all the attention. Uh, John, what about you? I don't know. It changes. Uh, I guess currently would be Waterbury. Waterbury is pretty sick. They got Roller Magic. We've been going there every Monday for adult night, getting funky. So that's that's been nice. Maybe another place. Uh, Hollywood. Hollywood Liquor Store on Grand Avenue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right up. Shout out Hollywood. <laughs> that's pretty much it. I mean, every, every, everywhere is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's that's the appropriate answer. Uh, and uh, do y'all know what Murph, what what their favorite place is uh, in Connecticut? I think Willie Street. Probably right? Willie Street. Yeah. Uh, Wait, should we explain what Willie Street is? Yeah, Willie Street is, uh, is my apartment. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, but I think Murph's uh, absolute favorite place is... Uh, um would probably be Paul's room because it's Paul's bird. Paul is my roommate. Favorite place in Paul's room would probably be on his microphone stand. 
<laughs> she's a really talented musician and she's so driven it's always cool to see inspirational yeah nice uh, so second question that I ask everybody, also another easy softball one. Um, if everyone spoke their mind, do you think this world would be a better place? No. No. <laughs> uh, actually, I say yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so what makes each of you feel that way? You go first, because you were feeling quick to answer. <laughs> well, I think people think things and they don't necessarily mean them right away. Like... I don't know. There's been so many moments where I, I, I'm thinking something, but I would like never say it. And I like don't like truly feel that way. But it's just like, I don't know. I, I guess I can't really explain it, but I feel like it would be dangerous. Well, I feel okay. like there would be more like area for like forgiveness, though, because then like on the flip side of that, like, OK, say like you said something that like made you look like an asshole or something I do like probably pretty frequently. Um, but then afterwards, because you're still speaking your mind, you're like, oh, actually, I've reevaluated. And now I've kind of changed my mind on this or like I've kind of come around or like realized this was like an overreaction or something. And then, you know, you you could kind of have more dialogue about that. Mm, right. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> have you changed your mind? <laughs> Did I convince you? You convinced me. I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm not so <laughs> sure. John, John, are you speaking your mind? I am. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> We are primarily here today because I want to talk to you about, uh, you have a show coming up at the Space Ballroom whenever this podcast release, it'll be the very next day. So it's going to be Saturday, uh, July 17th. Um, what can we expect from the show at the Space Ballroom? Well, okay. We're playing with some of our favorite Connecticut bands. One of them moved away. Uh, so I guess the first one I'll talk about is Comet Pond. Uh, so that's my friend Yori's band. Uh, so I actually met Yori at a house show in Hartford, Connecticut, or no, it was Bloomfield, Connecticut. Oh, Stumhouse. When, yeah, she was still in high school. Um, and I was in college at the time. And um, I just remember being totally blown away by her voice and her band. Uh, and then we kept in touch over the years and uh, we played together in uh, New Jersey at Meat Locker. And then after that, we played together in uh, Worcester, I think it was a house show in, at a college there, <laughs> I forget, but um, that was really cool. And then, so she's actually located in uh, Massachusetts now. Um, I think they're in Worcester. Uh, and then another uh, Connecticut act that we're playing with is Muncha. And I actually met Muncha when we were both teenagers and we were playing a show at the now defunct Daggett Street in New Haven. Um, and I remember them coming in with an acoustic guitar and just totally killing it. Um, and over the years, we've had a chance to play more shows together. And I've gotten to see them perform a lot with... Was it Mighty oh, yeah, Moonshu? Mighty Moonshu was new, which is really cool. Um, but I was actually thinking more of the collective of like Shut the Chat. Or... The Quest. It's, um, is it the Quest, the Quest Collective? Yes, yeah. <laughs> They're involved in so many projects, it's like hard to keep track of. So yes, yeah, so I'm really excited about that. And then um, Naked Lake is coming up from Philadelphia, which is where I was living for the past year, but I moved back because Connecticut music is back. So why would I be anywhere else? <laughs> um, so yeah, so we're really excited about the show. Um, awesome. And this is not the first time I've seen you and Muncha on like the same 
set or same same ticket like same gig um and it's cool because i feel like for both of you you can't like you don't know what kind of set you're going to get so for example sometimes it's a glam bat acoustic set sometimes it's yeah. like a, a, a glam bat loud set and then for muncha sometimes it is kind of more of an acoustic setup and other times it's more of like kind of a performative uh type of thing which mentioning that uh you were part of uh their uh, rock opera uh which was like what like a year and a half ago or something I know that was so fun. We actually were supposed to do more shows, but unfortunately, uh, COVID kind of shut that down. But right. it was really fun. We had the first one at the State House, um, and it was just—it was such a good time. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I'm not really typically the kind of person who's into musicals, but that was a really cool one to be a part of. And I actually got to meet a lot of really talented performers that I'm still in touch with, uh, like Tabisa. It's one of the performers I got to meet that night, which was really cool. So you were also just mentioning uh, Philadelphia. I didn't know that you had moved uh, back up, so welcome back. Um, <laughs> so hopefully Connecticut was uh, was like a, a welcome uh, place to be. One thing I, I do want to talk about is when we first started kind of touching base about recording a podcast, you mentioned kind of this idea about maybe kind of speaking a little bit about um, residents or expats from Connecticut who are in the music scene who then kind of like move out and take their music with them and how that kind of um, increases the audience of Connecticut music. Is that fair to say? Is that kind of what you were thinking about? Yeah, definitely. Um, although I like kind of forgot that I said that and now I'm kind of blinking. That's okay. I would say, yeah, I mean, over the years, I've known a lot of people who move out of Connecticut and take their music with them. And it's always kind of cool. Like, I guess I know I just mentioned Comet Pond and Nori. So like, you know, because I knew Yori, uh, I was able to take Glambat shows other places. And I have some friends who moved to like New York or Boston or all kinds of other places. And Philly, obviously, like you've got like Ellison Jackson, for example, just released something with um, the San Free as Birds. Yeah, Free as Birds Records. Thank you. <laughs> uh, with Free as Birds Records. Um, and they actually live in Philly. So that's cool <laughs> to see. Even though several times people have told me that, you know, Pet Fox or Ellison Jackson aren't technically Connecticut bands, I will always conveniently ignore that. <laughs> yeah, and, <exactly>. you know, <laughs> I mean, um, other Connecticut bands like uh, Pale Hound is from Connecticut, Speedy Ortiz is yeah. from Connecticut. I know, yeah. Uh, <laughs> John Mayer. Who's that? <laughs> it's some <laughs> punk, some asshole. Uh, <laughs> I, John, I was going to ask you, what is your favorite glam bat set that you have been in? Probably opening up for Mannequin Pussy. That was probably probably my favorite that I've been involved in. Yeah, that, that was, was, a was amazing. It was like probably my my I don't know second or third time playing drums, uh, particularly then, and uh, yeah. I was it, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, so that was Mannequin Pussy and Kississippi, right? Kississippi, yep. Yeah, that was that was such a great show. And y'all brought the house down. And one of my very favorite things, and I'm just going to go off on a quick tangent because uh, you brought the show up. One of my very favorite things about seeing shows at Space Ballroom is that whenever there are uh, more kind of like underground acts there, like Glambat, um, you always get to see like the people who came for Mannequin Pussy who are just hearing Glambat for the first time. And you get to see them in real time, like realize like, oh, this band fucking rules, you know, like it's such a cool feeling to kind of, you know, like look around and, you know, I'm just like, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, 
so that's a really cool uh, feeling um, to see. Uh, my favorite Glambat set was Never Get to Be Cool, Rest in Peace, um, which was with Shell Shag and Lung. Um, oh, that was a fun one. Yeah, that was that was some time ago, and um, I brought that up when I talked to the Katzes uh, on the podcast, um, just because Shell Shag and Lung are unpredictable and wild, and uh, I think that was an acoustic set from UM. But and yeah, that was the first time. I heard of Long and wow, Long is absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, I actually played with Long at the original space like many years ago. Oh, wow. And I played uh, solo at the, I think it was my first volume solo set with AJJ. So that was a really fun one too. So those are bands that I played with before and it was really cool to see them all like in one place. <laughs> <laughs> so M, what has been your favorite glam bat set? As we're as we're just tossing around memories now. Well, I started out. I had to play alone a lot. I've been doing glam bat for like six years now, so I had kind of a rotating cast of of people <laughs> who are coming in and out of the band um, over the years. So it's been really nice to kind of settle into a sound with John finally, um, where like I think you're the longest running glam bat member mm-hmm. other than myself now. <laughs> Yep. Which has been really nice. My, so. my part was rotating for quite a while, too. Yeah, John started out <laughs> playing bass for playing that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. How, how it started was is uh, Emily came over one day with one of our mutual friends, and uh, I just wrote a song on guitar, and then Emily was like, oh, my God, you should play lead guitar for playing that. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, which never ended up happening, and then she was just like, oh, do you mind playing bass? So I played yeah. bass, two shows, and then, I don't know, it just turned into drums. <laughs> yeah, eventually everyone else just left. Yeah, everyone they left. They were like, we're tired of your antics. Yeah. And you're done with you. So I guess my favorite, to answer your question, I guess my favorite was probably also the Mannequin Pussy Show. Because that's when I feel like we really kind of settled into like a sound and things started to really click. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was also kind of a night where I realized that, because I'd been doing glam bat for so long, just kind of as a kind of form of self-therapy I guess I don't know if you could really call it that and like kind of like processing and to have someone else like really believe in the sound that much sorry to be like so cheesy but like I don't know that felt really good I mean I feel like we could do a lot with this it's not the first time that she's asked Jumping back to one of the things that you said, John, about uh, joining up into Glambat, um, being the longest running member um, of it. 
I'm gonna put M. I'm, I'm gonna put you on on uh, on the spot for a second. Um, there was some kind of we were DMing about something. I don't remember what it was, but I think I called you Glambat, and you stopped me and you said, "Well, actually, Glambat's a band now because like John is just as much Glambat as I am. Um, yeah. That you know, like now that John's like on drums, this is this is Glambat. It's not just something that I do now." Yeah, so I only wanted to bring that up because I thought it was very sweet and uh, because I also believe that if everybody spoke their mind, the world would be a little bit of a better place. So I don't know if you've ever told John that, but I thought that was <laughs> very nice. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of the time I'm like, oh, yeah, this is my drummer. He's in my band. But yeah, <laughs> I do as I'm told. <laughs> so John, were you saying that like I couldn't tell if you were joking or not about like drums not being your first instrument? Oh no, it's uh definitely not. I guess it was always my second uh second instrument, but I'd say like my first would be guitar. Um that I've my first instrument would be guitar and like songwriting, but I haven't really been doing that lately. But what are you gonna do? We gotta work on that though. Yeah, I know. I wanna, we're gonna start recording soon. Actually, the first song that we're gonna be recording as a duo is gonna be Westminster. So that's on deck for like next week after the show. So hopefully we can get some more like songwriting stuff going. We had actually started writing a song together that I found in my voice memos the other day. Oh, sick! Yeah, it's pretty good. It's, there's a good hook in there. <laughs> so. So that's awesome that that you have some new stuff coming up, some like new songs you're planning on recording. Um, can you share with us like, are you planning on recording this yourself, or are you like uh, going somewhere to record these, or how like what's that process like for y'all? So I think we're gonna just start out by self-recording. Um, over quarantine, I actually recorded some solo stuff, uh, which. I don't know when we're going to be releasing that. We've been in some talks with some people, which sounds super vague and like rude. That is kind of what's going on. And, but they're kind of demo-y. So what I want to do though, that I really enjoyed uh, about the solo process is that you can distract things as many times as you want. And you're not like, I'm always worried about taking up too much time or taking up too much space or making people work too hard. And I've been really lucky to work with a lot of really talented engineers like Chris Chu and Pat Dalton, who have been really patient. But at the same time, like there's still kind of this nagging feeling like inside myself that I'm that I'm making people work too hard for this like idea of myself as this like diva. Um, so it's really nice to be able to track everything on your own and then hopefully we can get uh, someone to help us mix and master our recordings because I only have GarageBand. Yeah, it's nice to not have that background process in your head, which is like, oh, like, should I speak up and, and like do this? Like, it's going to cost a little bit more time, you know, like, so it's nice to not have that like floating around in the back of your head if you're going to be like doing something creative. Oh yeah, plus there's also a lot of like really inappropriate times that you want to just record shit. Like I remember when I was working on this on this stuff that I self-recorded this winter, I would be recording like random vocals in my bathroom at this old Victorian house in Philadelphia <laughs> that I shared with seven strangers. And I would just be like recording uh, vocals in the bathroom at like three o'clock in the morning and <laughs> luckily nobody cared. Uh, so that's good. <laughs> 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 so 
so whenever you're you're writing songs um and i guess this this question might be tricky because i don't know if it's changed since uh the ep came out um the the, the point of view from your songs is that glam bad or is that a different character Ooh. Uh, that's a tough question because i feel like what i do is i take the experiences that i've had and then fictionalize them and then also turn them into like a riddle because when I first started writing songs um I was writing this is gonna sound kind of terrible I was writing a lot of negative things about people around me right um so I would try to like kind of hide what I was talking about by like say like describing it like I was like an alien or something <laughs> you know yeah um or trying to hide it in some kind of a difficult to decipher puzzle um like I guess when we record Westminster that's going to be kind of different because that's a very specific thing about some very specific Connecticut music scene stuff but for the most part I would say it's pretty like fictionalized and, and broad, you know, so that it can, and it's funny cause like people come up to me and be like, oh, your songs are so relatable. It's like, I don't know how, how people are coming to that conclusion <laughs> because it seems really like, like looking back at some of the songs that I've written, there's actually some songs that we don't even play live anymore because I feel like I need to go back and rework the lyrics cause they're just like way too petty. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i like it i like the pettiness <laughs> <laughs> well whenever you say that like people have said that the lyrics are relatable i mean like how can you not relate to like in brazil whenever you say like you're like lying on the couch trying to get comfortable with yourself because i feel like that's certainly something that like every now and again i'll catch myself you know especially like at a gig or something where i'm just like man i'm just i feel so uncomfortable just like being a person you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I do that every night on my couch. That lyric's actually, <laughs> that lyric's actually about um, the couch at the Blind Moose in yes. Bloomfield, Connecticut. In the basement. Specifically that couch. Yes. Yes, yes. it is. Because um, I don't know. So I'm sure some of your listeners will have been there before. Um, but at the Blind Moose, there used to be this it's a house show where they would have, or a house show venue where they would have shows in their basement. And, but the backyard was this big hill. So the, um, you could walk outside and smoke a cig underneath the, the deck and then come in. So if you're sitting on the couch facing that door, so you're, you can just kind of sit there and acclimate really awkwardly for like 15 minutes to this constant stream of people coming in from one direction and also coming down the stairs and going out. And it's like, there would be, it would just be totally packed. And so sometimes yeah. I miss that, especially during COVID time. So then other times I'm like, oh yeah, I have social anxiety. And that's definitely why <laughs> <I'm> music. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think the first time I was on that couch, I had to listen to like some kid talk shit about Velvet Underground and how much they sucked for like 20 minutes. And uh, yeah, I, I had to like, I had to dissociate to, uh, uh, <laughs> to make it through the, go to, go to the a chair or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you're you're mentioning a little bit about like how some of these lyrics are somewhat personal and you mentioned that kind of like this new song that you're planning on recording is uh, much more explicit in that which i've heard that song and i totally I totally understand what you mean. Uh, and I think that people will also know what you mean whenever they hear that song too. Um, <laughs> can you can you tease us with like anything else that like you might have coming down the pipe in terms of music? Like, so we got this one song that's like pretty straightforward and assertive and like very specific, right? Um, are the other songs that you've been working on like that or are they a little bit different? Uh, the other ones are a little different. So like, what I recorded kind of solo, which is this uh, four demos, um, which is an EP that I did in isolation and quarantine in uh, in Philadelphia, probably during like the height of the pandemic actually is when I recorded it during like that really awful uh, past like December through February that we had. And there was really nothing else to do. So that was kind of good that I had that tool. Um, so there's a couple songs on there. Uh, one of them is called Nick's Cage. Uh, there will be some people listening to this podcast hopefully who know what Nick's Cage is because it was a pretty legendary music venue also in Bloomfield um, that was around, I think, like 2012, 2013. And a lot of really cool emo bands played there and a lot of really cool indie bands played there and my band played there. Um, and I saw some really, really, really good bands there. Like I remember seeing Speedy Ortiz in my friend's living room and that was the craziest thing <laughs> ever because yeah. I was like, I think 19 years old. Um, but so that song's actually about um, kind of how I wish that I had spent more time connecting with other non-men around me because a lot of the time back then, especially I was really looking for this like male validation. Um, and now I don't think that's something that I'm seeking as much. Um, there's a song on there called Elm City Pieces, which is gonna be pretty funny. That song's definitely about three sheets in New Haven. Um, <laughs> of all these different stories and all these like really incredible people that I've run into and like gotten to know and and see them interact with each other uh and there's uh I recorded a version of breathing ritual that I don't think we're gonna release yet we keep talking about when we're gonna release breathing ritual never we're never <laughs> releasing it um 25th anniversary combat yeah <laughs> When we when we have enough money for an orchestra, we we'll release it. Yeah, yeah. Or someone could call like Brian Ember and uh, and Olive Tiger, and they could come play their cellos for us. We could get Ryan Gosling sometime. If we could get Ryan Gosling on the album, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's like a synth pop cover of Bulletproof, 
and by LaRue <laughs> on there. And there's also um, a, a kind of synthy pop version of um, the song called IPA, which I used to play a lot at Never Get To Be Cool. Um, but then uh, after we record Westminster as a duo, I think we're going to probably re-record some of the songs that I recorded in isolation with people on it. Yeah, there's a lot of songs. I've written like at least 50 songs for Glam Bat. And then I also want to get some writing too. So, you know, I guess it'll just kind of be a slow trickle of when certain things work. We'll yeah, hell yeah. It's it's nice that we're we're back together now because you know I'm like in Philly most of the quarantine and I've I've been in New Haven, so we couldn't work together really at all. We there's been a few times where we tried and it's just it was just like off and we we just couldn't do it. Yeah, it was really <laughs> hard to to try to be in a band during quarantine. That was really rough. John, um, did you try during those sessions to like wear the bandana like you do? you know like during gigs does that help channel it does it uh, keeps keeps everything inside so it doesn't drip out oh i meant to tell you i saw a video of uh reasons it was like someone trying to explain connecticut to outsiders and they were like it's like connecticut's like new jersey except they don't have a bruce springsteen and i immediately thought of you and i was like damn actually we do have a bruce springsteen because john always has been <laughs> And I'm always writing really weird songs about Connecticut, so <laughs> we could be your and, roots. And so, uh, so John, is it okay if I call you the boss? Is that like, are you open to that? No, I'm not really comfortable with that. You can call me the boss. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like, you know what, you ever talk to like somebody and they're like, okay, boss, be right with you, boss. Yeah. It, it gives you that weird feeling. It know, does. I was just gonna say I'm not bossy in the boss. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Speedy Ortiz, right? <laughs> it's actually Beyonce quote. Oh, Beyonce yeah. from Connecticut. Beyonce is definitely from Connecticut, spiritually. You're right. Yeah, Texas, Connecticut. I think is uh, where she's from. Definitely. Town of Texas in Connecticut. That exists. Um, every so, John, I know exactly what you mean because every time somebody calls me boss, I'm like, are you like? taking the piss out of me or something like is right you know yeah 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 like they, thanks boss thanks boss yeah <laughs> it's like it's like they're saying it jokingly like they know they're you're not the boss but they're like trying to make you feel like a certain way yeah, yeah. i know it's really weird uh you you were mentioning uh breathing ritual just a, a moment ago um in the pat like that i feel like it's like a fan favorite like um people love whenever whenever y'all play that song live you mentioned like having an orchestra, but I can't tell how much of that is like you being tongue in cheek and self-deprecating because I know that's uh, a hallmark of Glambat. Um, <laughs> so is, is that something that you like you, you, do you like want like a huge like church style production of it? Or uh, is there some other reason that like you're, you don't want to record it right now? A little cello would be nice, but I think we probably will be recording it as a duo. And we're also uh, looking for a synth player right now. So I think when I mean, like when I said orchestral, like I was definitely being tongue in cheek, but I think having um, kind of some warm uh, synth sounds in there would be really helpful. Uh, Cause the version that I recorded is just guitar and vocals and that's it. I really want to flesh it out. Cause when we play it live, I think you were actually telling me one of the reasons you like it. And I think a lot of people, like myself included, kind of feel this way about the song. It's like, but it, it goes from being really quiet to being really loud. 
and that's nice. So we want to make it really, really noisy at the end and really quiet at the beginning. Really, really quiet. Really, like, really, really quiet. Like, So John, you you were joking about like having it as like a 25, 25th anniversary uh, type of thing, but I was gonna say like you know if it is one of those things that just never gets recorded, like like Radiohead had that song "True Love yeah. Waits," which was like in their sets for twenty years, right. and you know that's how you know like who's a real head and who's not is like <laughs> like real Glambat fans love "Breathing Ritual" and you know like the Hosers or whatever. Um, that's right that's right so em you mentioned that that glam bad is like an idea that's kind of been like in different stages you know over the past like six years um how much of glam bat do you feel like is also kind of a a visual piece of art too because like you know like outside of the music world like you're also you know like very involved in the visual arts and you've incorporated that a lot into the music and like the packaging of what Glambat is. Um, do you find that as like a distinction or is that like, or are those all like things that kind of come together as one? So I actually remember when I first started uh, getting more serious about music, um, I was living in like Westville and I was working uh, at Claire's and I, had this one week where I, I think I just made myself super sick because I was burning the candle at both ends, like making, doing all this like sign making work around town. Like I just finished up the board for like East Rock Coffee and my band was, I was in uh, this band called Procedure Club for a bit and we were like going on a tour uh, all the way. Uh, we ended up playing Pop Fest in Athens, Georgia, uh, which was really cool because it was near that pylon played with their like big heroes of mine but so i i was like really sick i was getting ready for tour i had just finished doing these signs and i was so exhausted and i remember somebody told me they're like well you know what if you just like chose one you know i'm like choose one they're like visual arts or music and i think i looked at that person in the eye and i was just like fuck you i hate you like <laughs> and like Looking back on that, there have been so many times in my life where I've been like, maybe I should just choose or, you know, give up on music or give up on visual arts and just focus on one thing. But I'm really glad that I stuck with it because I think that the visual arts is a really important thing for the band. And right now I'm actually working on a comic uh, called Punk Time because the show's always running on Punk Time. Uh, that's kind of a fictionalized version of some of the experiences I had in the Connecticut music scene as a teenager. Which is probably why I'm thinking about Danbury so much lately. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, you mentioned about like writing lyrics that it was something that was like semi-autobiographical because you were like trying to kind of cover up, you know, like some of the real details, but keep the like emotional truth of the situation, right? And I feel yeah. like you've only released a couple of pages of punk time. Like it's you know, you can find it on Instagram. Um um, is that kind of a continuate, is that part of that outlet is like continuing that tradition of being kind of semi-autobiographical? Semi definitely, definitely. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm stuck on some, some past stuff that maybe wasn't super pleasant. So when I am making music or making art, actually 
going back to that and, and fully processing it, it's like I finally, that's the only time that I feel like really comfortable giving myself the space to do that. And it's been really rewarding. So. And so John, what is your advice? If, if M has the visual arts, like uh, what is, like, what do you feel like is, is your secondary outlet to music? Or not secondary, but, but co-outlet. Not, not, uh, not music is probably mopeds. Mopeds! Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah me, and, me, me and a lot of friends, we like to uh, um, just like wrench on like old, like vintage mopeds and watch them break and fix them and watch them break and fix them. It's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that and working. Do you, do you like working with your hands? Is that like where that comes from? I guess so. Yeah. Are you, are you, feel, do you feel like you're like a, like um, mechanically minded type of person? Cause I feel like sometimes you see people who are like quote unquote gearheads that are in music, partly because they really like music, but also like, they just kind of like working on amps and shit. Um, and I didn't know if maybe that was like part of, of like, you like the gear aspect of mopeds. Uh, uh, no, I just, I like going fast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's pretty much it. <laughs> Let the whole world know I'm a creature of the night. I'm a wild thing. I'm a Scorpio. I love my friends and I'm aggressively delightful. You mentioned um, we can cut this out if you don't want to talk about it. But you you mentioned kind of briefly something about a future Patreon. Is that something that like oh. is gonna happen or research? Um, yeah. So hopefully next week I'm gonna be launching a Patreon. Um, that's gonna be more comic stuff. But I also so I didn't even know much about Patreon until one of my friends messaged me like earlier this week and was like. Uh, why don't you have a Patreon? <laughs> um, so I had to do kind of all this research. So my idea for it is I want to do kind of uh, comic stuff. Like, so some exclusive comics will probably be on there. So like backstories for certain characters and stuff like that. Um, and then I also will be putting up some tutorials for drawing, uh, which is going to be fun because uh, I also have a background as an art teacher. Um, and then I also we'll be doing some kind of songwriting stuff on there. So you'll get probably some snippets of us recording and our process, and you'll get maybe some tutorials about how I go about writing music. And I, I also know like, so I use a really, I would call it unique because I don't see it a lot, but then sometimes I do see it and I'm like, oh, you know this tuning. Uh, I use this tuning called Open D, uh, which, a singer in a pop punk band told me I should try to use because, and I quote, you can't really play the guitar. 
Um, and I just took that and ran with it. And now, like, fuck you, I can play the guitar. Um, <laughs> and I'll teach you how to play it on Patreon <laughs> for money. <laughs> Indie tuning. Indie tuning. <laughs> was, that, was that Tom DeLonge or was that Mark Hoppus that told you that? Um, it was... Shaky Graves. Yeah, it was Shaky Graves. <laughs> it was a man with a big beard and a big ego. <laughs> That was redundant, right? I think this may have been at the Mannequin Pussy show. Em, did you mention that your dad was a music teacher? Yeah, which, so it's really impressive that I can't play the guitar. Oh, I was going to ask if that makes Glambat an industry plant. Oh, I've been getting that question a lot, actually. Glambat is absolutely an industry plant. Yeah. Wait, wait, okay, because I was just fucking around. Are you serious? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's why we get um, such great shows. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Okay, well, I didn't know. Um, so, so you're gonna send me, you're gonna send me that check in the mail, right, for this? Oh yeah. This? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we like to make sure people get paid for their time. If people everywhere, you know, people on the West Coast, people in Ohio, people in Indiana, you just planted. Georgia. Yeah, I was actually HQ. I was thinking about making a t-shirt actually that says like Glambat is an industry plant and it's just going to be like an actual like house plant. Um, <laughs> that might be cute. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see yeah. that to fruition. Like a daffodil? Yeah. Ooh, yeah. We were supposed to go to Daffodil Fest, but that got canceled. I don't know what that is. I told you about the Daffodil Fest. I forgot. It's Meriden. Oh, uh, I don't want to go. <laughs> Come on. John, John didn't have the bandana, so it didn't stay <laughs> in. They have I tried to throw you cheeseburgers. Up. Clearly, you were never at Wild oh, Bill's. Dude, Wild Bill's nostalgia at the piano burning every yard, hanging out at Little Meriden. Thank you for hosting me, Little Meriden. Shout out to Little Meriden. Love the steamed cheeseburgers. Yeah. Love you guys. Listen, they're not totally try it. I have tried a steamed <laughs> cheeseburger. It's like the worst. <laughs> Oh no, I, I feel so guilty. If I'm going to upload this podcast with audio of John bashing steamed cheeseburgers. Glamba <laughs> officially endorses steamed cheeseburgers. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, oh, if, everybody knows that we're the number one perennial fans in Connecticut. Wait, who is? We're the number one perennial fans in Connecticut. Fuck off. No, you're not. I am. <laughs> Don't come at me with that. <laughs> Um, but that was a super sick show at Best Video. I think that was the last time I saw y'all play together and it was it was awesome. Um, and uh, Perennial, I think just sent their album out for maybe mixing and mastering, like they're done with it. So maybe we get a Glambat Perennial, uh, you know, Northeast tour or, or West Coast tour. Uh, in the near future. That. that would be sick. Yeah. That's our right. first show. Our first show back at Greatest Perennial, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Gotcha. It was, uh, it was our friends Jack and Jill party at uh, the B-Rex. So. Gotcha. Like, yeah, perennials, the nicest people. Um, uh, Chelsea, Chad, Will, they're super great. Back whenever I was a tiny fledgling blog, um, uh, one of them reached out and was like, hey, like, would you be interested in doing like an interview type thing? And I was like, because I was like such a young blog, I was like, oh, 
I can't ask them to do that because they're gonna, you know, they wouldn't say yes because I'm just a tiny little baby blog. Um, but that was the very, very first interview I ever did was with them. So uh, they hold a very special place in my heart. Through that whole interview, and I really loved it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right. So the final thing that I have for us today, uh, I didn't, I didn't warn either of you about this uh, before we got started, uh, but I actually have a quiz. This is a pop quiz about, do you want to guess what this pop quiz is about? I'm going to get out something to keep score with. Connecticut music. Close. What do you think it's about? I don't know. It is about glamorous bats. Oh no. <laughs> is it multiple choice? No, it's not. Uh, but here's what we're going to do, uh, because we're going to make this a competition. I'm going to drive a wedge in the heart of Glam Bat, and I'm going to separate you two. Uh, okay. I have 10 questions about glamorous bats in pop culture, and okay. uh, we're going to keep score, and the winner is going to get 50 CT versus bucks that you can redeem okay. in our merch shop, which uh, uh, maybe we'll make uh, in... I don't know, at another time. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot on the line here. Um, 10 questions. Uh, if you want to buzz in, just say your name. And then, then the question will go to you. Does that make sense? Okay. Cool. All right. First question. Question number one. What is the only animal... I'm sorry. I already fucked up. Uh, question number one. What is the only mammal that can fly without the assistance of technology? Yeah. I need you to say your name. And that. John, that. <laughs> All right, that one goes to M. So M is on the board oh, at one point. Shit. But she didn't say her name. I followed the rules. They they said M. Oh. They said M first. All right, but that's okay. We got we got nine more, John. You you. This is just starting out. All right. Uh, question number two: What animal is necessary for the pollination of over three hundred plants, including mangoes, agave, and cacao? John, that. That is correct. Uh, we're at one and one. <laughs> the correct answer is the bat. Question number three. The baby version of this animal is known as a pup. The plural version of this animal is known as a colony. What is this animal? And bat. That is correct. M, uh, so it is two to one. Uh, the correct answer was the bat, in case you missed that. Uh, all right, question number four. Uh, name two actors who have portrayed the very glamorous Count Dracula on film. Um, uh, Bella Lugosi. Mm -hmm. I don't know another one. Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler? Yeah, doesn't he play like Dracula in that movie? That is true. Yeah, he'll come <laughs> Transylvania. Um, so I'm gonna say, so I'm gonna say that John stole that. So uh, that's not an assist. That was a steal. Uh, so now we are tied to two to two. Nice. Uh, number five. Uh, Robin Williams voiced the bat named Batty Coda from which animated musical fantasy movie from 1992? Very glamorous bat. Um. Wait, Anastasia? Yes. So close, but it's not Anastasia. Okay, because that bat was so sick. That's what I would have guessed. Wait, that bat was in Bartok, right? Don't ask me. I don't know. It might come up. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, John, do you want to go for the steal? Who did Robin Williams voice? Or he, he voiced a bat named Batty Coda from which musical fantasy animated movie from 1992? 
Uh, Aladdin. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Was it Ferngully? It was Ferngully. Yo, hell yeah, I love <laughs> Ferngully. Damn, All right. So M has three, John has two. Moving on to number six. Uh, what does everyone's very favorite Pokemon, Zubat, evolve to? I wasn't allowed to have Pokemon as a kid, so I don't know the answer. Zubat, my eight-year-old self would be mighty pissed at me. Yeah, I need an, I think we're gonna need to find a friend. Yeah, this is one of the original 150, so y'all don't have an excuse for this. This is one of the new ones. I'm really disappointed in myself. Uh, I could picture him. He's got a big old mouth. That's true. <laughs> Snorlax. No. Eevee. <laughs> Mewtwo. I'm going to have to deduct points for that. So. <laughs> um, the correct answer. <laughs> the correct answer is Golbat. Golbat. Okay. All right, this is my favorite question uh, because I feel like this is this is actually the question that made me want to make this a quiz. Uh, number seven, and, and so just because we're keeping score, M has three, John has two. Uh, what is the 1983 movie where David Bowie stars as a vampire? I should really know this. I can't believe I haven't seen this movie yet. It's not a great movie, which is probably why most people haven't seen it. The correct answer is The Hunger, directed by Tony Scott. Ooh, we'll have to watch it. Never that. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to watch it. It's okay. It, just knowing about it is kind of enough. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's good news. I want to watch it. <laughs> Number eight. Uh, what is the name of the cute little bat from, who is also very glamorous, uh, from the movie Anastasia? Oh, and Bartok. That is Bartok. That is correct. Uh, yeah. Four to two, moving into <laughs> moving into question number nine. Who created the most glamorous of bats, the Batman? Who created Batman? Uh, I should know this because I make comics, but I know it's not Dan Close, so that's, that's not true. the answer. <laughs> wasn't put out by Fantagraphics, and it wasn't Stan Lee because he did Spider-Man. It's true. He did create Batman. Oh no! I just remember watching a lot of like the the uh, Adam West version when I was a kid, oh, being like, yeah. "That's what I want to be when I grow up." Probably the <laughs> most glamorous iteration of Batman, I would say. Maybe so. The animated series is pretty glamorous too. True. True. All right. Does that mean that we give up? Sure does. I, I don't know shit. Yeah. The correct answer is Bob Kane and or Bill Finger. Both of those uh, made it, but Bob Kane for legal reasons, he's got his name on it, whereas Bill Finger, who I think was the illustrator, um, does not. Uh, question number 10. So this is the last question and we are stuck at four to two, but I'm gonna make this final question worth three points so that John can uh, come up and, uh, and, and win, or it can be a blowout if M gets this. Question number 10 thinking about glamorous bats, where are most Major League Baseball bats made? John Louisville. That uh, is correct. Yeah. <laughs> <That> is, <laughs> so from the come behind, <laughs> congratulations, uh, John. I will uh, get you those 50 uh, CT versus bucks in the mail. I don't know why I did that. 
<laughs> like, like like Louisville Slugger, right? I think that's. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Cool. Well, thank y'all so much for being here. I'm super excited to see y'all Saturday night at the Spaceball Room uh, at 7 p.m. Is that when the doors are? Doors are at eight. I think I wrote seven okay. on a flyer, which is just. I think that's wrong. That's okay. You can show up early at 7 p.m. and you can ask uh, we'll Mike Toby we'll a bunch of questions at the box office. <laughs> oh, you could. Oh my gosh. I, mean, I actually saw Mike Toby the other night and we had a nice talk. So he, he called me out on that. Doors are at 7. Oh, doors are at 7? That's what you sent me today. Oh, doors are, doors are at 7. Doors are at 7. Doors are at 7. I wasn't wrong. Gotcha. So if you do come at seven, uh, you can get in, but you can also ask Mike Toby a lot of questions because he loves that whenever random people uh, come up to him in the box. Questions houses. about blue oyster cults. There was this one time where it was close to Mike Toby's birthday and we were hanging out at, uh, at Three Sheets and then I drove him back to Brantford, I think he was living at the time. And he was like, okay, um, listen, all I want for my birthday is to put every single song by Blue Oyster Cult on your Spotify liked list. And to this day, it still is on shuffle. I listen to a lot of Blue Oyster Cult. Thanks, Mike Toby. <laughs> <laughs> that's another band that's secretly from Connecticut, Blue Oyster Cult. No way. Well, really? at least the bassist lives in like Woodbury or something and is a oh. music Yeah. Okay, I had no idea. Okay, so that makes yeah. Blue Oyster Cult a Connecticut band, along with, as we learned last year, Taylor Swift, because somebody who like played clarinet on her previous album uh, recorded it in Connecticut. So now Taylor Swift is a Connecticut band too. It's amazing. The more you know. There's a, yeah. there's a guy who played uh, <clears throat> the saxophone on, arcade, on an arcade uh, fire album. From oh, right. And I think the National also record in Bridgeport. Is that right? So they're also a Connecticut band. Nice. So. Yeah, everybody's trying to hide uh, that they're from Connecticut, but everybody's from Connecticut. Uh, the it's final fun. thing, actually, the, this is the final question that I forgot to ask earlier. Um, so Andy, who is an ass man, not a titty man, uh, is that a real person? Andy is, well, okay. Andy's actually kind of based on this kid from New Jersey who I knew when I was in college in like 2011, which is why it says in the song that he like lives out in Wildwood. Uh, but the actual like events of Andy are based on like five or six different people. And I just put them all together. And the person 
who this song is based on. I don't think any of those people are named Andy or Andrew or anything like even remotely close to that, which is really funny because I've known a lot of Andy's and Andrew's and Andreas's and like uh, all of them are very different people and none of them are Andy. Uh, so the uh, the next uh, EP or album that you record, what quote from The Office uh, do you feel like you would want to follow up as your as your sophomore release? Uh, I love Pretzel Day. <laughs> okay, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Glambat. Thank you, M. Thank you, John, thank so you. much for being here with us, and we will see you at the show. Thanks. Yeah. See you there. Thank you. See you there. Thank you so much to Em and John for taking the time to talk with me. You can find them July 17th, Saturday night at the Space Ballroom in Hamden with Muncha, Comet Pond, and Naked Lake. Be sure to follow their social media accounts where you can often find sneak peeks of their music and artwork. Em's new webcomic that we talked about is Punk Time, and you can follow that on Instagram at punktime underscore webcomic. Anyone who is listening to this podcast would really love it, so don't be a weirdo. Go ahead and check it out. The song that will close this episode is actually a cover song uh, that Glambat recorded and performed uh, for the CT versus Benefit compilation. It is Donna Lewis's I Will Love You Always Forever. Uh, you can find that song on the compilation on Bandcamp uh, and all those proceeds uh, from, the, uh, from that uh, compilation go to the nonprofit The Bridge House in Bridgeport, Connecticut. They do a lot of outreach and services for the underprivileged there. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. To you.